0: of the
1: third kind Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron and I am one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, Danielson, hey and Hans. Howdy, howdy. Now, real quick before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon exclusive episode.
2: To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 75 extra Patreon episodes,
0: which is over 80 extra hours of listening pleasure. To see the full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, TheoriesOfTheThirdKind.com and click on the Patreon episodes tab. There, you will see an entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published.
1: Also, today, we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Crystal Skulls. In it, uh, we talk about the history of them, where the Crystal Skulls were found, their extraterrestrial origins, and theories surrounding them. So you get access to that episode, as well as all the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't
2: afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one
0: if you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, bigfoots, sasquatches, chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show.
1: And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is a Theories Thursday. Now, if this is your first time hearing a Theories Thursday, let me explain what it is. So what a theories Thursday is, it's where each host has selected their favorite conspiracy of the week. They haven't told each other about it. They just wrote down what the title of it is and they researched it. And we're each going to present our favorite conspiracy of the week, talk about it, theorize about it and just kind of have like a laid back relaxed episode. So with that being said, I guess let's get into today's episode. Yeah. So um to determine who goes first between me, Dan, and Hans. We are going to random.org, which this is not a sponsored ad. We just use the website for randomization purposes. We're going to put Aaron, Dan, and Hans inside here. Dan, give me a number between one and 10: nine. Hans, one to 10: five. Nine minus five is four. Four. Here we go. We're going to randomize it four times: one, two, three, four. All right. So the first person that is going today, is going to be Dan, then Aaron, and then Hans.
0: Honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way, because mine is a short Theories Thursday, so it's it's just a good warm-up, I'd say.
1: Okay. All right. So what is the title of your theory of the week? The title of mine is the Tunguska Explosion. I like it. Okay. Go ahead, Dan. Enlighten us.
0: All right. This was a listener suggestion one, and I decided to pick it. It's very interesting, but like I said, it is kind of short, though. So have you two ever heard of the Tunguska explosion?
1: Yes, a little bit of it. I just heard about an explosion that went off, I think, in Russia or Ukraine, and trees got flattened, and they don't know why.
2: This is exactly that.
1: I just remember watching it at, like on
2: an episode of like Ancient Aliens or something.
0: Yep, this is pretty much that. So. It happened 113 years ago on June 30th in 1908. It is considered the largest asteroid impact in recorded history that struck in Siberia, Russia. Which, if y'all didn't know, June 30th is actually called asteroid day because of this, which I didn't know that. Okay. All right.
1: Little knowledge nugget.
0: Yeah. So where this asteroid hit was in a not so popular area in the northern forest land above the Podkemineya Tunguska River.
1: I like that pronunciation, Dan. Good job.
0: Thank you. So on this day, people reported seeing this huge-ass fireball with like a bluish light that was stated to be as bright as the sun going across the sky. They said that when it entered the Earth's atmosphere, it made a sound similar to what people described as artillery fire with like a flash of light right before it fired. And then, you know, you heard the loud boom, and this is when the asteroid supposedly hit and that this blast released enough energy to pretty much flatten an area of 830 square miles. So pretty much all these trees were just flattened.
1: Was it just out in the forest or was there actual people there living?
0: Okay. So it's a not so populated area, but there were people living there. Three people had died from this. And pretty much a ass load of reindeer were killed. So a couple people got hurt and all that. And one of the stories I did read, it was like uh, a guy was sitting on like his front porch to where he heard the noise. And then as soon as he heard the boom, this like everything just started shaking and then he just got like knocked out of his chair. So he had no idea what it was, but he knew something just blew up. So it flattened this area of 830 square miles and there was a tribe or called the Tungus. And I guess they said that there was an asteroid in the sky It exploded. Looks like it hit the uh, land, but there was no crater. But scientists believe that this object was most likely a stony asteroid still that was about the size of a 25-story building. So, pretty big asteroid. God
1: damn. Hell yeah, that's huge.
0: Yeah, and you know, like, they talk about how some asteroids are mostly, like, covered in ice. This one was mostly stone. And with how big this one was, it was traveling at a speed of over 33,000 miles per hour. So, this thing was hauling ass. But the odd thing was, though, even though it hit in 1908, it took over a decade before scientists or anybody with actual, I guess, education got to the area. It wasn't until 1927 that a Leonid Kulik led the first Soviet research expedition to investigate where the asteroid had impacted. And like I said, they traveled through all kinds of shit to get there. But when they got closer, Kulik said the results of even a Cursory examination exceeds all tales of the eyewitnesses and my wildest expectations. Pretty much that all the stories he heard about the flattened trees and all that stuff, when he actually saw it with his own
1: eyes, it still surprised the hell out of him. How long had it been since the asteroid hit? About 19 years. Damn, and it's still, the trees are still all messed up?
0: Let's just say that there's still like not many, I don't think there's any trees growing in that area still to this day.
2: Holy cow.
0: Yeah, so when they arrived, he described it as that, it just amazed them that, you know, trees are still knocked over, nothing really growing there. They interviewed some local witnesses, which I would guess would be the Tungus people that lived around there, which not many of them, and they explored the area. He said it was to be flattened like 40 miles in each direction, and it was like in the shape of an oval. He said the trees had been uprooted and burned, their tops pointed away from the center of the oval. Yet, the center of the oval did not contain any crater at all. So when you when an asteroid hits, you'd expect there to be a big-ass crater pretty much. No crater at all. He said another odd thing was where the, the center of it was, that where it hit, the trees were actually still standing there. But all the branches and the bark had been stripped off of it. I guess you would say the explosion went downwards and it stripped all of that but then went outwards afterwards.
2: Knowledge nugget here. The term blow up is wrong. When you use an explosive, it blows down. That energy goes down. So it kind of makes sense a little bit, but I mean, in theory, the tree would be demolished. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. So that confused him even more. Yes, he said that all these trees, they stood in the middle, all the branches and bark were tore off of it, and they just looked like poles that, you know, I guess just like uh, the electric poles that are put up nowadays. They just look like a bunch of them just right in the middle. So he said, like, they searched the area there. They searched the swamps nearby to try to find at least some fragment of an asteroid to try to explain what, this, what caused this explosion. They were not able to find any fragments anywhere. But he kept searching around the area. And sadly, his searching came to an end when he was captured during uh, World War II. And he died as a POW, so that uh, sucks for him. Damn, that does suck. Rest in peace. But uh, after him, another research group, I guess you'd say, in the 1940s, was uh, led by an E.L. Krivnov and Alexander K. Because I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name now. They are a couple scientists who worked with Kulik before. And it was these two that suggested that this explosion actually happened in midair and not actually impacted onto the ground. And that's why there was no crater. And these two, they examined the after effects of the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. They noticed that when the, pretty much the atomic bomb hit Hiroshima, it actually exploded high in the air above the town, which caused the trees directly below to become stripped of their branches and all that, which resembled poles, while flattening the trees and houses in a pattern outward from the center of the explosion. And this matched almost exactly like what happened in Tunguska. So after the atomic bomb went off, though, in Hiroshima, there was a black rain and a mushroom cloud, which actually some of the witnesses in Tunguska did report that they did indeed see something like black rain and sort of a mushroom cloud. So this is kind of what scientists started to believe was the cause of the explosion, was that it was an atomic bomb.
1: But wait, when did the original explosion happen?
0: 1908, which this is when they were just like, wait a second, though, the atomic bomb wasn't created until 1945 on July 16th. So they're just like, well, shit, that doesn't really work. What else can we think of? They started to believe that this could have been some antimatter weapon or that it was a mini black hole, which I'm not really sure how that works out where they got that one. Then, uh, of course, uh, Alexander K. Scientist, he started to believe that, you know what? Maybe it was an al- like an alien-powered spaceship that had exploded entering the atmosphere.
1: Ooh, okay. I
0: mean, shoot, it took them, what, 19 years to actually get to Tunguska? Yeah. That's enough time to remove a bunch of stuff. Just saying. But yeah, this happened 33 years after the atomic bo- or before the atomic bomb was even created. So they're just like, well, we don't, don't know. So they continue the investigation in that area. It was in the 1960s that it was noticed that there were actually four smaller centers within the large oval explosion area. And he said this actually corresponds to some of the sounds that some of the witnesses heard that sounded like thunderclaps when it first happened. He said it started to seem that these were smaller explosions. If looked carefully, that you could actually see the patterns in the fallen trees expand outwards from these smaller circles. So there were four smaller explosions within this large explosion. They're just like, okay, we still don't know what that means, but we noticed this. So they decided to take samples from these trees and they were able to find a certain type of matter that was embedded into the trees. They found particles of calcium, iron, nickel, silicates, cobalt, wolfram, and then lead. These particles can be found in cosmic matter, which raised the question, Why were there no pieces of a meteorite or asteroid even found? Because this is from a rock. So, considering the year that this happened, there were no pictures of the asteroid or anything like that. No one really had any pictures of this. And, honestly, that's pretty much it. They're still investigating. They have no idea what it is, what caused the explosion, other than, you know, their theories on it could be antimatter, a mini black hole, alien spacecraft. Asteroid impacted, but there is one that does make kind of sense. It's the airburst explosion of an asteroid. So, if you don't know what an airburst is, airbursts are violent explosions that occur when mid sized meteors streak through the atmosphere. Pretty much as they begin to burn up, they cause like little explosions. If a space object makes it through the atmosphere and hits Earth, it's probably started as an asteroid, but once it hits the surface, it's called a meteorite. It's just pretty much the expo- explosion of it. Reacting, I guess, through the atmosphere, per se, but of course, the only problem with that is no fragments of any asteroid meteorite
1: at all. Well, it'd been 19 years. Probably some farmer went and picked it up and's got a meteorite, and you know he's 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 rolling it around in his uh, radio flyer, and it's like that's not a meteorite. That right there is a ball of dung. (laughs) That's a weird thing that happened, man.
0: Yeah, and, like, there was another event that happened like this. I forgot the name of it, but it happened in Russia again. They said this asteroid was the size of a five-story building, and it kind of had the same effect, but there were still, like, no fragments.
1: No fragments, okay. And it exploded above?
0: They said that if anything, this asteroid exploded, or whatever it was, exploded before impacting the land.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, what do you personally think it was? It's kind of hard because there's,
0: there's really not solid evidence for any one of those. But it is fun to think about that maybe it was like an atomic-powered spaceship or aircraft that Russia was probably working on.
1: Or maybe the uh, government already had an atomic weapon at that point, and they just didn't let the public know until the 1940s, right? Yeah. So... They went and were like, hey, let's test it out. Ooh, what if
2: Hitler, you know how he's all into that occult stuff and all into alien technology, they were on the verge of having atomic bombs. What if they found a way to take the D-Glocka back in time? And that was the test. They wanted to see what it could do potentially.
0: That's that big bell thing, right?
2: Yeah. And they take it back in time and they test it and they're like, holy freaking cow, this is what it does, and then the, by the time they come back, the war is over, and it's like, oh, what are we supposed to do with this thing now? I like that. Like, I was just thinking about it. They did it
0: in a pretty much a not-so-populated area, so not many people would see it, and whoever did see it were gone.
1: Yeah. How about this? How about the Earth is a lot older than we think it is, and we've had a ton of ancient beings here previously on Earth that we're not being told about that are being covered up. So let's say a meteorite does start heading towards the Earth in 1908 and there is some type of, like, ancient automatic defense system that is still left over from the ancient times and it, boom, kicks on and shoots the asteroid out of the air.
2: Oh, like the movie Atlantis, that cartoon, how they kept, like, the water from coming out? Such a good movie. I don't know. I haven't seen that. What? All right. Well, sorry, guys. Guess we got to end this episode.
0: Aaron's going to go watch a movie right now.
2: Yep. No.
0: No, I mean, that's actually pretty good Didn't think about that. Because a lot of people, like, people do believe that there were ancient civilizations way before us. And, like, that's what we're finding remnants of. Not like some alien species, but just ancient civilizations. So, I mean, that's possible. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I think it was in the moon episode, that the Boon's a meat shield. Pretty much. It blocks a lot of asteroids. That's why it has all those little craters on there. But the ones that do get by, though, maybe they're being shot down.
2: Maybe. Or what if it's like, uh, sounds really messed up. Y'all seen Black Panther? Yeah. Okay, you know how their whole civilization is like shielded? Like it just looks like regular landscape? Oh, yeah. What if there's just a dome there that's doing that? And that dome protects like the civilization from the outside. It's just an ancient race of people, or more, more technologically advanced. And this shield, this guise, protects them from any outside disturbances. Okay. Kind of like anti-meteor, you know, defense thing, but it's more just like, hey, like, we exist, we just don't want you to
1: bother us. hippity oppity, get off this property. So NASA did release a little statement, like a paragraph, about what they found out about it, and they said it is estimated That an asteroid entered Earth's atmosphere traveling at a speed of about 33,500 miles per hour. During its quick plunge, the 220 million pound space rock heated the air to 44,500 degrees Fahrenheit. And about a height of 28,000 feet, that combination with the pressure and the heat caused the asteroid to fragment and annihilate itself, producing a fireball releasing energy to a equivalent of 185 Hiroshima bombs. Holy cow. 185 Hiroshima bombs. What the hell? But that's from NASA, so. Yeah, yeah, we can't trust them. No, that's just, you know, a little theory as to what they think it is.
0: You're like this, the flattened trees area would have been bigger than that then.
1: Yeah, I figured 185? Holy shit, there wouldn't be nothing there. Yeah. Fried, yeah, like burnt to a crisp. But hey, I'm no meteor expert.
0: And yeah, they said the trees were burnt, but it didn't look that burnt. Not from like 185 bombs going off.
1: Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's a lot, though. That is. Hmm. Dang. Well, I like that, Dan. I like that.
0: I could have gone more into it, but it would just been, I think, more of a repeat of information that they've already discovered. But I figure for Theories Thursday, it was pretty
1: good. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. Thank you for bringing that to us today. Yeah. I liked it. Do you know who suggested that, though? Who? Arnold. Oh, good job, Arnold. Hey, thanks, Arnold. Big shout out. Big shout out, Arnold.
0: Arnold, I hope you enjoyed this one. All right, so whose turn is it now? Aaron's?
1: Yep, it is my turn. Oh, hour later. Yeah, four hours later. Hey, you guys just wait and see, all right? I did a lot of research on this, and I, I was just, you know... So super deep into it. Yeah. All right. Before we get into this next topic, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. So my topic this week is called the Mandela effect theory. Now, for this theory, I am going to mention a few new Mandela effects that I found, but that's going to be at the end of our discussion. But the majority of what my topic discussion is going to be about is about two things. The first thing is going to be about a post that was made on a website discussion forum, And the second thing is going to be about a new theory, a theory as to what could be causing these Mandela effects. Now, of course, I know you, Dan, and I know you, Hans, both know what the Mandela effect is. But there may be a few people who don't know what it is, so I'm going to explain it just really quickly. So the Mandela Effect actually refers to a situation in which a large mass of people believe that an event occurred when it did not. Uh, For example, in the movie Star Wars, many people remember hearing Darth Vader say to Luke Skywalker, Luke, I am your father. However, that never happened. It's just, no, I am your father. Another example would be mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? which. That was never said, apparently. It's magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? I mean, there's tons of different examples.
0: Such lies.
1: Yeah, there's tons. Uh, Fruit of the Looms is being spelled F-R-O-O-T, and it's apparently it's changing back and forth between that and F-R-U-I-T. There's a bunch of different things. Um, Some people believe that it's just people misremembering things. However, some people believe that there's something else that's going on, something more strange. So things like that is what is called the Mandela effect. And I believe we did a previous episode over that, right? We did. Yeah. So go check that out if you haven't, and then come back and listen to this. Such a good episode. Yep. So like I said, uh, my topic is going to revolve around the two things, a post on a website discussion forum and a theory as to what is causing these Mandela effects. Now, let's talk about the first thing, the website discussion forum post. So a few weeks ago, around mid-October, I was browsing a conspiracy form trying to see if anybody was talking about anything good. You know, I couldn't fall asleep. I was on my phone just browsing it. I happened to stumble across a post that was very interesting, to say the least. Now, this post was made by an individual who had a name of only two letters, K and B, as in Kevin Bacon, but just K and B. So in this post, KB said, My name is KB, and I used to work for a research facility. I will not disclose further information about this. During my time there at this facility, we made contact with a dimensional traveler, AKA time traveler, or rather he had contacted us. It all started over a decade ago. One of our experiments at the facility has caused a puncture in the dimensional membrane, causing multiple dimensions to force equilibrium. At first, I stood by idly, while I watched the predictions of the time traveler, J.B., come true time and time again. This experience changed me profoundly, so when I left the facility, I made sure that I took copies of transcripts with me. It has come to my understanding that the public should know about this, as it will affect all of us in the years to come. Therefore, I decided in 2019 to release part of this transcript to the public. Initially, I feared being detected, so I hid some of the names of those involved, including myself. I posted a part of this transcript online, fearing the worst, and to my surprise, no one cared. I didn't know what else to do at that point, mind you. At that time, nobody had even heard of the virus, as it was still due for February the next year and I decided to leave it at that. Over the last few months, I've tried to get more individuals to take notice to the transcript that I posted online. The predictions in the document about political turmoil, corona, and others seemed too vague. In lieu of protecting my identity, I fear that I have failed to bring understanding of the upcoming problems to the masses. I know this is very hard to believe for some of you, And I am not here to convince you. Do with the information as you see fit. So at the end of that post, there was a link to a paste bin. Now, if you don't know what paste bin is, basically it's just a website where anyone can go to and make public posts that are saved onto the site. You can share these posts with anyone. So it's pretty much like an online storage area just for Word documents. I can go there and type out anything on a Pastebin Word document, save it, and it will generate a unique website link, and I can share it, and anybody can go to that link and see what I typed out. So that's what a Pastebin link, link is. And that KB, at the end of his post, linked that Pastebin link. And this link contained the supposed transcripts that KB had taken from this facility. Now, before we go over what those transcripts say, there's a couple things that you should know. The first thing is that the transcript was posted online on June 5th, 2019, before the coronavirus hit. Another thing that you need to know is that these transcripts are a conversation between KB, the guy who made the post, who was the worker at the research facility, and an individual named J.B., as in Justin Bieber, but his name's not Justin Bieber, it's just J.B. Now, J.B. is the supposed time traveler or dimensional traveler that warned K.B. of everything that was going to occur, and this transcript is just like a portion of it. It, it starts off right in the middle of a conversation that K.B. and J.B. were having. All right, so now that you know all that, let's get into the transcript. And for it, Dan will be reading off KB's section, and I will be reading off the time traveler section of JB. All right, so keep in mind, this transcript starts off in the middle of a conversation between KB and JB.
0: So what is the dimensional membrane, and how did we puncture it at this research facility?
1: Well, to understand the dimensional membrane, you have to know that there are multiple dimensions, that all of these dimensions are kind of locked inside of a bubble, so they say, and we call that bubble a membrane. This membrane protects dimensions from colliding with one another. However, all of these bubbles are connected in the multiverse. Sometimes when the membranes intersect one another, there might be a little bit more tension, a little bit more energy, which this causes small insignificant anomalies that you're already aware of. However, with what you did here at this facility, with this machine, is that you released such an incredible amount of power that this membrane between the dimensions, it was first weakened in 2008 and then it was finally punctured at the end of 2011. This puncture we call the start of an MDE, a mass divergent effect. A direct effect of an MDE is the bleed-in anomaly. This means the puncture in the dimension causes the two dimensions to try to reach an equilibrium. Try to envision it as two chambers one with hot air and one with cold and a door in the middle of them. When you open up the door that's in the middle, the two chambers mix and equalize with the temperature and it's somewhat stable between the two rooms. That is what is happening right now in your dimension and another.
0: Okay, so should we consider the possibilities of dimensional time travel to try and go back to the time before the puncture in the dimensional membrane happened?
1: we should really stop calling it time travel because in order for me to explain it properly to you, you have to let go of the notion that time travel is linear. As I have said before, we should call it dimensional travel. As I did not come from your future and you are not from my past, there is no natural possibility, no physical way for you to go back into time of your own dimension. However, it is possible for you to step outside of this dimension and enter into an almost identical dimension and arrive there in a different, almost identical time. So basically, you can't go back in time to a concert of Queen playing at Wembley Stadium in your 1985 dimension, but you could in someone else's 1985 dimension. So it's not time travel, but dimensional travel. I cannot stress this enough.
0: So if I use this dimensional travel to go to that concert in 1985 to see Queen play, would they play the same songs? Would they wear the same outfit? Would the event be exactly the same, even in a different dimension?
1: Well, to understand that fully, you have to understand the importance of cause and effect. We call this the law of importance, and this law plays a giant role in dimensional travel. What we have learned is that nature assigns probabilities to causes. Now, the way nature determines how important something is, is by the amount of causes this said effect has. An effect that has many causes is deemed more important than an effect with less causes, So let me use a simpler example to try and explain it better to you. So let's say me, myself, in the so-called future, I write down the winning lottery numbers. I then step back into another dimension's past and I get the winning lottery numbers and I make myself some money and I try to return with it. Now this effect of me returning with the money that I won, it most likely would not happen the money would not travel with me across dimensions. Why? Well, it's because of how important causes and effects actually are and how they play a role in dimensional travel. That effect, AKA me winning the lottery in the different dimension and being able to take the money back with me to my dimension, is directly determined by the sum of its causes and the importance of its said causes. For instance, The lottery number is generated on a screen by a computer and it presents us with 10 random numbers. These random numbers are the effect. The cause is the computer calculation showing the random numbers, which is only one cause and doesn't give it much importance at all. This makes it highly unlikely that this effect, AKA me winning the lottery and taking it back with me, will persist throughout dimensions. Now to answer your other question that you asked me of, why not just go back to before the puncture in the dimensional membrane happened and prevent it altogether? Well, you now know that if I did go back and try to fix the dimensional membrane, that it would only fix that dimensions. So if I were to return back to my own, things would still be the same in my dimension. Why are you here then? It's because the bleeding over of the other dimension is very damaging, not only to yours and mine, but to everyone's dimension in the multiverse. Let me stress again that this happened on a interdimensional scale. And I'm not blaming you precisely for this event. It's also us. We all did this throughout all dimensions. Therefore, it's important we fix this as quickly as possible. We are starting to see the bleeding-in effects in other dimensions as well, and it causes mass disturbance anomalies. It first starts off slow with signs of mass hysteria. We started noticing people would misremember things about their own past, but as more time progressed and more divergences occurred, the anomalies grew. The mass hysteria spanned globally to a point where people were disputing entire historical events. At first, the hysteria was about a past long ago, but it grew closer to the present very quickly. As an example, basic experiments done in the past would yield different results in the present. We became very worried about all of our calculations from nuclear reactors to flight travel as they slowly became different. So what should we do with all this information that you've given us? Well, the whole reason I'm here is to find out what happened at the start of the puncture of this membrane. We have sent a few people to different dimensions with this information. So basically we have a head start now and you must hope to find out how to revert this mess. So you'll be able to save not only your own world, but in the process we can save ours as well. For now, I suggest you do this studying and research and silence as nothing major will happen in the next few years. But you will see the signs of what's going on. Study it and don't brush it off like we did. I think that if you was to bring this out in the open, mass hysteria might occur. And if you're able to revert this, no one even needs to know about it. You'll be the silent, unsung hero of all. Now in the next few days, I will walk you through all the basics, all the things you have to take into account to really be able to tackle this problem. After that, I'll return to home and work on the problem there. If we are still around in the next decade, I will return to you around March of 2020 for a checkup. And then again, for the big event I talked about earlier. What are the events persistent throughout dimensions? So I kind of anticipated that you would ask that question. So I actually made a list of specific events that are going to happen. So in a few years time, when the political and social climate start to heat up and destabilize, we ended up seeing a wide spreading false information throughout the dimensions. False information being spread by regular people, but also scientists, politicians, and even media outlets. Around the start of 2020, things will escalate faster and faster. An increase in volcanic activity is possible in your dimension, but so far only half of the dimensions have seen this and we don't know why. In February of that year, Corona will destabilize Europe and parts of Asia for days. Confidence and trust in technology and science will understandably dwindle. From that point on, people will have endless debates, sometimes hugely televised or streamed, sometimes in a back room, and it's going to be about basic science, biology, and geography. Heated discussions will divide people into groups, leading to violence. Some will do the experiments of old, which are simple measurements of basic science, and will find different results. They will be ridiculed until official scientific institutes will try to discredit them, and they will find that they produce different results as well. Needless to say, mass panic will follow. Then will come the big event. If we're not able to fix anything, the last reasonable normal year we will know as humanity is 2025. On the 12th of December that year, in the early morning for Europe, the hole we punctured in the membrane will then succumb under the pressure and rip open. A merge of dimensions, if you will. The rip will last about three days. Expect major anomalies, things popping in and out of existence, written letters changing before your eyes, and buildings changing directions and deteriorating. The worst and most destructive are buildings, or large objects in general, popping into other objects, causing destructions on a massive global scale. Many of you will think of this as a dream and governments will think that they are at war with one another. After all that, it took us a while to regroup and find a way to survive. We then started to repair the machines and try to figure out a way back in time. We didn't want to live in the apocalypse, and we were determined to try to roll it all back. And that's the end of the transcript. Damn. Damn. I know it was kind of long, and I apologize. But it was just too good because it brings up an interesting theory of what if this is real? What if this actually happened? And who could have done it? What's the one thing your brain automatically goes to that we've talked about? CERN. CERN, exactly. Oh, yeah. So what if CERN or some other device actually tore a hole into this membrane? And the Mandela effect is the actual bleedovers that this dimensional time travel is talking about. So you guys understand what he was talking about when he was saying di- dimensions, right? And membranes.
0: Yeah, I was over here drawing it. It made me think of like a bunch of grapes. And when you squeeze the grape, the juice is like the two that you squeeze, the juice goes everywhere kind of. It bleeds onto the other grapes.
2: <laughs> it reminds me of who framed Roger Rabbit.
0: Oh yeah. Kind of does actually.
2: Yeah, when all the
1: cartoons were seeping out and he was going into the cartoon realm. Yeah, so it's a good theory, huh? You got that post, and that post turns into the theory of what if this is all real? And that's the only thing that was posted by that KB on that conspiracy form, which can we say it is odd that he mentioned Corona in June of 2019? So that's why I kind of picked this one you know it's a it was a good quote unquote leak if it was real or somebody could just be larping but it's fun to think about it's fun to discuss and what actually led me to do this was that i saw this um post on that discussion forum and then i had a mandela effect a new one happened to me which i think i posted it on my instagram but tim curry the actor for the original It. Yeah. I could have swore years ago, like a, two, three years ago, that this man died. Because I remember thinking, oh, man, it would have been good if he would have did, like, a comeback in the new It. Like, have him show up as well with the new It. And I was like, oh, man, he died. And I specifically remember seeing the news cover it and everybody talking about it. I remember it, too. And then all of a sudden, He's alive. I think there was a big hoax. You know how, like, they, like, they
2: put out those big hoaxes that some celebrities die? Yeah. But I, remem- I remember it was because he had a stroke, and that's why he's in a wheelchair. But I just remember thinking, like, they were like, yeah, he's dead. I'm like, wow. You know, I just remember, like, watching and I said, man, he died. And then, like, two days later, like, yeah, he's not dead. I'm like, oh.
0: That's great. There's been a lot of those uh, celebrity hoaxes where the people were saying, like, they are died or something like that.
1: Yeah. So. That Mandela effect kind of threw me off. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. I was like, oh, I have to cover this topic now. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my theory for Theories Thursday.
0: I
2: like
1: it. I like it. Thank you.
0: Definitely had me thinking over here. I'm like over here drawing like these bubbles and stuff, trying to picture how, like how they're emerging and bleeding out onto like other dimensions and stuff.
1: Well, let's just hope that uh, if it is real, that they fix the membrane. If not, then... Peace out on December 2025. Yep. Thanks, CERN. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Before we get into this next one, we're going to take another quick break. Shouldn't be that long. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to mention something real quick. A coworker of mine has a child who just turned five, and right before his fifth birthday, he was diagnosed with cancer. In September of 2020, he was declared cancer-free and was expected to undergo two years of chemotherapy. This month, however, a batch of suspicious cells in his spinal fluid showed evidence that the disease had returned in his central nervous system. So he has to endure more intense chemotherapy, radiation, and stem cell transplant in the future. No one, and especially not a kid, should ever have to deal with any of this. So I just wanted to say that any donations would be greatly appreciated to help this kid and his family in their time of need. So they do have a GoFundMe set up, which if you wanted to go support it, you can. To go to the GoFundMe, it's gofund.me forward slash 284975CE. And all needed funds will be donated to the Jimmy Fund Benefit to benefit other kids fighting cancer. I just wanted to thank you listeners for your support and help for others that are in need. So with that being said, um, let's get back to the episode. All right. So now it's your turn, Hans. What is your theory? All right. Have you all ever heard of, like, the Council of Foreign Relations? Any of you? Yeah, I've heard of them. Okay. Wait, isn't the Council of Foreign Relations like an independent, like, nonpartisan organization? Like, kind of like a think tank? Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be nonpartisan? What about the Trilateral Commission? Y'all ever heard of them? I mean, I've heard of them, but I can't remember
2: exactly what they
1: are. I've never heard of them.
2: And I take it that you guys know about the Bilderberg group, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. What if I told you that there was a group higher than them? And I mean by so high that the president of the United States of America takes orders from them. Would you believe in something like that?
1: I believe it. Oh, yeah. So pretty much like the Illuminati?
2: Yes. Bohemian Grove
1: type shit. But what I'm going to tell you about today
2: and shed a little bit of light on is the Omega Agency. Never heard of them. Never. Never heard of them. Sweet. So this Omega Agency, it is compared to be better than the Russian FSB, which is equivalent to the CIA. In fact, it is rumored that the Omega Agency has more agents and front companies working for it than any intelligent agency in the world. At a moment's notice, should this agency need something to get done or agenda to be pushed forward, they can call on thousands of thousands of thousands of its employees that sleep in the United States governments, in whatever government around the world, to push its agenda forward. Damn. Yes. Scary, right? I never heard about them. I had to look it up in one of my conspiracy books. And I'd done some digging on it. All right. So now who controls the Omega Agency? Well, they have a basically board of you know directors called the Council of the Omegas. And it consists of 10 to 12 people at any given time. But do you know who the two main people that sit on it at all times are? Ross Childs and Rockefellers. What about you, Dan?
0: I'd probably say them.
2: George Bush and Alexander Haig from the Reagan administration. Oh. And when I'm talking George Bush, I'm talking about daddy, not baby.
1: Daddy's dead, though.
2: Well, now he is. <laughs>
1: Daddy's dead.
2: <laughs> oh, well, he's not there no more. Baby's there. Damn, did he die? I thought it was just his wife.
1: Yeah, he died. He, I'm pretty. If he didn't die, that is a real Mandela effect. Hold on.
0: No, he died because I think uh, Clinton fell asleep during the funeral service. <laughs>
2: I think it was Clinton. I didn't.
1: I thought it was just his wife, George H. W. Bush.
2: He didn't die. He didn't. No, I'm just kidding. He died. You, dude, you're such a piece of shit. <laughs> okay. Well, I did, I thought he was still alive. My bad on that. But those two were the main executors of. The Omega Council. And it is believed that when the New World Order comes into effect, that it is the Omega Council that will lead the way. And you might be asking, hey, where would this be located at? Where would this company hide, this agency? Right under your damn noses at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia. What else is at Langley? The CIA think about it. So let's think about this whole ushering in the new world order. When did we really hear about this? Well, think about the first Gulf War. President Bush, during the first Gulf War, used new world order a lot in a lot of his speeches. It was very repetitive. And, you know, invasion and liberation of Kuwait marked the beginning of the new world order. The Gulf War wasn't just a war about oil and freedom for the Kuwaiti people, but it was basically to test a multination frontal assault under one command. And what command was that? The UN. Okay. All right. I'm following. The, you know, the same holds true to all these little wars that we don't talk about anymore, like in Somalia or Bosnia. All those troops, they were under control of the U.N. And who is a big backer of the U.N.? The Omega Agency. And if you think about it, you know, Bush could have beat Clinton in an election. But what if the Omega Agency, this is kind of a theory, because there's not much known about this agency. It's just out there. And it's just a hidden thing. But it's got so many, like, twists and rabbit holes. But what if they they basically rigged the election for Clinton to win against Bush? Because if you look at the stats, Bush should have won. But instead of being part of the presidency, he bowed out of the limelight to take control and be the head executive over the Omega Agency full time. So therefore, he can uh, usher in the new world order.
0: I mean, Bush was uh, head of the CIA for a while. Wasn't he?
2: He
1: was. Yeah. Daddy and baby boy. It must be taking forever because his ass died, and they didn't usher in shit yet that we're aware of. Yeah, that we're aware
2: of. Now, what what would be like the real reason for a new world order? What is like the reasoning for the Omega agency? Control. Well, think about it. Crime is out of control. Out of like it's out of control, especially here, right in the US. And you know. People are out in the streets doing drugs, shooting people, and they're not taking responsibilities for their actions. So the Omega Group puts forth these little wars that calls upon nations from across the world. Because if you notice, in the UN, they don't go to these other nations that we help liberate. They go to the big populated ones, and they take all these soldiers, and they put them at war, and they die. Some of them die. And what better way to help control the population but do small little, oh, I hate to say it like this, but cleansings. Jesus. That these wars are not, the, these wars are just not, they're not fought for freedom. They're just little cleansings to see what they can get away with and how long they can push it before the public gets upset that we're at war. I mean, the the public got upset that we're at war for, you know, with uh. Afghanistan the war on terror for 21 years almost 21 years like 5,000 people died it's not a lot compared to some wars but you know it's just like looking into it there's just so much like there's not a lot on him but I figured as a little conspiracy like what if this Omega agency they control everything? That's the true Illuminati. Yeah, the true Illuminati, the true New World Order. I mean, I find it fishy that, you know, hey, guess what? They're in Langley. That's where the CIA is. Yeah.
1: You think that the New World Order has already accomplished their goal of basically creating a one-world government that these wars and everything are just a stage show for them? It's a political theater. Mm Mm-hmm. That they're all in on it. Oh, yeah. And they use these wars and everything to basically control us. Because if it was all ruled by one group, it wouldn't be a war. It'd be harder for us to control. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, you know, what better way to get rid of the dissidents and the resistors but then to start a war and make a big draft? True. Could this be why the U.S. is now considering making females
1: eligible for draft. So you think that they're being pulled into the military as a way to kind of like, quote-unquote, cleanse the dissidents? Mm Mm-hmm. Get rid of them?
2: Because, I mean, think about it. Not a lot of promising people join the military. I'm not saying I was a promising person, but I could have done so much more than just the Army. But I joined. I wasn't pulled to it by them. But think like when, when you think of the people that joined the military, you don't think of like I was this academically squared away person. You think of this dude was kind of like the outcast and this is what he did. And what if pulling, you know, the advertising that the military does is to pull these dissidents away to either cleanse them or mold them into the soldier of the new world order. Or, you, you know, you fit in the square hole or you're thrown out. Because that's how it works. You know, they, they teach you it's yes. You never say no. That's not in your vocabulary. The obedience. Omega agency. Huh. Mm-hmm. It was a nice little... It was. I was like, you know, we're done with spooky season. So I'm going to find something. And it, there's just not a lot out there on them. But reading into it, what, what there is, I was like, okay, this is actually... I was like, I hate to be, I can't be like Aaron and do like an hour long theory, but we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna make this work because I find this one highly interesting.
1: So, who is the leader? Do you think it's controlled by the twelve members, or do you think there's a person that oversees it? The Rockefellers. You think Bezos is on it? <clears throat> but dude's like richer than everybody.
2: Yeah, but like, I think it. I think a lot of the. Not the, like, technically elite people, because I would consider him to be, like, the Silicon Valley tech elite, like Elon Musk, but I think more of, like, the old money.
1: Oh, okay, like the Queen of England. Yeah. Hans, have you
0: looked at this website? Which one?
1: New Totsie, whatever?
2: I couldn't get it to open up on my phone or on my computer.
0: So, at the very bottom of it, it's it's actually a really long page of uh, stuff about the omega Omega agency i guess this guy talked to someone that's supposedly in the group oh shit read it i skim through it and at the very bottom it's like omega claims that they are the good guys that they have the best interests of the people of earth and the people of the universe at heart they claim that under their leadership the earth will be able to take its place in the galactic community
1: oh yeah it's saying that by bringing people under control is not the only reason driving the OA, Omega Agency, but there's another, is extraterrestrials. They are here on this planet, living and working with the Omega Agency. Exactly which race this is, they're not sh- sure at this time. Huh. The Grace. The ETs are helping with the U.S. with its space program and are working towards devising a plan to restore the planet's environment. Okay.
0: The greys are mainly vegetarians. So all the vegetarians out there, you're greys. I'm
2: just kidding. Here's a theory. What, okay, like the, that whole alien thing. What if, um, this is our key to get into the Galactic Federation of Light, is the OA. Okay, well, I'm out. <laughs> They're ushering us in on them big old baguette spaceships with, with islands.
1: I mean, hell, it could be ran by aliens. Oh my god. Get this shit. I don't know about this. Omega Agency uses American Online extensively for communication, but not exclusively.
0: All right, when was this written?
1: They use dial-up internet. Right. Oh, my God.
0: The OA originally planned to establish their worldwide control in 1995, but they deemed it wasn't right, so it was sometime in the year 2000.
2: I don't know. I thought it was just a cool little, like, hey, this might be a shadow agency or whatever i know the foreign relations one that would be a good episode
0: i mean this is pretty interesting to be honest
2: yeah it is
0: i've never i've never heard of them
2: neither have i They, they were in um damn it i don't have the book in here they're in that like 600 page little book called like conspiracies a to z or something And, like, looking online, like, some of it's, like, repeat, and then, like, some of it I'm just, like, the websites kind of are, like, those websites you're, like, I don't think I really want to believe you because you're selling those weird pills I see at the gas station.
1: Yeah, those rhino tusk, horny goat weed get rock hard for five hours.
2: Yeah, so, like like, I only, like, looked at two websites and then went off of what my book said. Arlen Specter, Colin Powell,
0: and probably Gerald Ford were part of the people that sit on the Council of Omega, this person was saying that Nixon learned of Omega's existence and wanted in,
1: but he wanted all of it. Of course he did. Probably. Yeah, so. I am the crook. (laughs) Well, thank you for that very interesting theory this week, Hans. Yeah. It was good. I enjoyed it. Oh,
0: brought back America Online. AOL.
1: Yeah. And uh, also, thank you for yours, Dan. I enjoyed it as well. Hey, thank you. Hey, we, th- we enjoyed yours, and I enjoyed everybody's. I enjoyed interviewing JB. JB. Nice. All right. Well, um, I'm guessing that's the end of the episode today. Now we'll kind of roll into our other sections, which is uh, our on-the-scene and our shout-outs. So if you're not familiar with what our on-the-scene is, it is where an individual... Uh, a listener, anybody can go on the streets and get an interview with anybody about current conspiracies and happenings around the world. You, yes you, the listener, can get an interview that's less than two minutes, record it, and submit it into us, and we will play it at the end of our show. So that's what an on the scene is. For this week's on the scene, it's going to be a little different. Um, I haven't even told you, Dan or Hans, that I've been in communication with somebody, oh, um, privately, and I cannot tell you who. And I actually had to distort their voice, and I've got a very interesting on the scene. So this this person, I actually, um, I can't tell you how I got in contact with them or how they got in contact with me, but they actually reached out to me first. I've been in communication with them, and verified everything, and been talking to them about a certain subject about the music industry and decided to meet up with him and got an on-the-scene interview and we're gonna play that right now this is Aaron with theories of the third kind and I am here with an individual who has agreed to be interviewed for a short period of time now this individual has asked for their voice to be distorted And this individual has been a part of the music industry for how many years? 13 years. Okay, for 13 years. And is what they say about the music industry true? Is it controlled? Yes. Who is it controlled by? A higher being. A higher being, as in an organization. Do you have to sell your soul to become popular in the United States music industry? Yes, you have to. Who do you sell your soul to exactly? The higher being. This higher being you speak of, is it an entity or something over the organization? Yes. What is it? Is it a person? It's a being of sorts. Okay. Um. Are you able to tell me anything more about it? No. Okay, uh, can you tell me more about the organization? No. Okay, is there anything you can tell me more about the music industry that others may not know about? Cloning is very real. Okay, uh, who clones the individuals and who are the ones that are cloned? The organization does the cloning and the individuals who become famous are the ones being cloned. Okay, um... Can you tell me who's been cloned? Kodak Black, Gucci Mane, there are many. Okay, uh, have you yourself been cloned? No. Alright, is there anything else we should know about the music industry that's surprising? There's not much I can say, but here's a little gem for you. Nicki Minaj does not sing your songs. It is actually sung by the rapper Jay-Z. What? Jay-Z sings Nicki Minaj's songs? Yes. Um. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time and the risk to uh, be interviewed by me. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll be in contact later on. Thank you. So what do you guys think of that interview?
0: Very mysterious, for one.
1: Yeah. Very vague. Very vague. Very mysterious. And I was skeptical of the whole thing. I mean, they verified who they were but then it completely dropped off whenever they mentioned the Jay-Z thing, that Nicki Minaj uh, does not sing her own songs and it's actually Jay-Z. And I decided to look into this, and you know what? It's a thing, isn't it? I believe it 100% now. So I'm going to share a video with you guys, and we're going to take a listen to it real quick. It's just like 30 seconds. It's going to have Nicki Nicki Minaj singing, and then it's going to be a slowdown. And tell me it does not sound exactly like Jay-Z. So I'll link that to you guys, and we're going to play that right now. This one is for the boys with the booming system. Top town AC with the cooling system. When you come up in a club, you be blazing up. Got stacks on deck like you saving up. So what do you guys think of that? You think Jay-Z sings Nicki Minaj's songs and then it's sped up? <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> I didn't even want to press play just because of the cover photo.
1: Cover The cover photo is like Nicki Minaj's head and hair with Kanye's face on it. Jay-Z's.
2: Jay-Z's face. Or
1: with Jay-Z's face on it.
2: Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, slow down, it does sound
1: like Jay Z. Yeah, it does. I, that's not like a positive for the. I don't think that would be like a big deal in the music industry. No.
0: Like you probably slow down. You probably slow down a bunch of the female rappers and artists, and it'll sound like some other, like, probably guy.
1: All right. So that's the end of On the Scene. I guess we move on to shout outs now. Start off with Dan. Dan looks official with the notes. He's got the he's got the scroll. Yeah. Alright, you go ahead and go first then, Dan, and give us your shout outs, which it's a blank notepad. Never mind.
0: Gotcha. Now I think I said last week that uh this week I was gonna do like Instagram and emails. So this time I will be doing Instagram. Let's see where to start, where to start. We'll start with shout out to Arlene. Then uh Mercies, then Madam Amanita, Samantha, then into Valerie H, then Freddie G06, Julian Martinez, Gillian, Breezy, Jamie Wright, Jeremiah Bond, Josiah Diaz, Big Long Yukabong, and Mark. Shout out to you guys.
2: You sound so unhappy when you said that,
0: and Mark. Well, he didn't really say anything to me. It just said that he, oh, what does it say? Mentioned you in their story. But I don't know. Oh, that guy. I'm new to Instagram. I don't know how to check stories right, okay? I don't know how to do all that shit.
2: Yeah, he was very nice about it. I liked
0: it. Oh, and shout out to Jordan. She just sent me a bunch of uh Bigfoot stickers. Oh. They look badass. That's all I got for this week.
1: Nice. All right. For shout outs for this week from Instagram. I have Taylor Craig, uh, Notorious Pug, Rich, Pennesino, Eric Torres, Taylor Kevin.exe, Megan Ellinger. Let's see, Madison. Can I get a shout out to me, my wife Kylie, and our bunny Max? So shout out to you guys. Um, Ryan Falls, Rob B, Andrew G, Joshua M. Tim, M, Nylons, Mark, Chris, Jonathan, Tyson, Eddie, Monique. And let's see. Let's go to my personal Instagram real quick. I know I have a couple on there. Um, Chris Brewer, Andrew George, Mark, Richie, Tyson Holly, Senor Alapenos and uh, i got a few more shout outs on my emails uh demas dimas um justin n and greg p shout out to all y'all i love you and thank you for the love and i'm sending it right back all right hans what do you got for shout outs this week all
2: right it's a short but sweet list so hold on um First shout-out is going to go to Hobbs McShort Pants. I love seeing you in the lounge. Um, Guaco 9K. The Chaotic Noodle. Several. Girls Club 666. Sasha FNK. It is nice to see you back. A long time no talk. Elorp. The Kit Kat. Mr. Chang, congrats on enlisting into the United States Army. I'm proud of you, and I love you no matter what. Calf Scout's kind of boring, but, you know, we all make mistakes. Just kidding. Good luck at Fort Benning. hammer. thank you for reaching out to us, by the way, guys. I forgot to tell you. He was telling us that the reason why we were being, you know, hearing bangs and whatnot is because one of the demons we t- mentioned is a very mischievous one. More mischievous than the other demon that we're not going to talk about. Which demon was it? Oh, he wouldn't say, because he's like, I don't want them to come and start messing with me. Ah. So, yeah. And he, you know, he said, you know, y'all should do an episode on on Grimoires and, you know, summoning books. I'm like, okay, well, thank you.
0: Good suggestion. I like that one.
2: It was. Macca. Hi-C, and Red Deadpool. I love hearing your guys' karaoke in the Discord. Amazing. Y'all should join and listen to it because they were saying, I don't give a f- about you, and it, and it was pretty good. It's pretty good. All right. Um, And that's
1: really about it. All right, sweet. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a good episode today. Um, It's fun. You know, I always love Theories Thursdays. So it's a good change of pace from spooky season. Now we're going to, you know, go into normal theories. No more spooky stuff for a while.
0: Yeah, we had enough complaints. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we heard
2: you. We listened. And guess what? You sucked it up and made it through October.
0: You know, usually we get bombarded right before October. Are y'all going to do ghost stories? You're going to do this? You're going to do that? We want spooky episodes now. It's like, quit doing spooky episodes yeah it's like get over it, no one cares, okay, calm down,
1: yeah, all right, well, uh either of you have anything else you want to add to today's episode?
0: You know, I had a thought earlier, and I don't know if it's really a Mandela effect, but when y'all were younger, did your parents ever tell you that you can't drink milk and soda like right after each other at all?
2: No, yes, because it would make you throw it would make you throw up, right exactly.
0: That's what I was told when I was growing up, because uh there was used to be like this uh restaurant we always go to and they actually had like a milk fountain, like or milk machine, whatever. It was always it was always fresh. Don't worry, Hans, always fresh. But there was a soda machine beside it. And my parents were always be like, You can only have one or the other. If you drink them, you're gonna throw up.
1: Yes. So Aaron, you never heard that? Never heard that. I'm from a different dimension. He is. He's from that one where they stick their head in the toilet to go pee. Ah. What?
0: No, I was just thinking about it because I had some soda earlier that I just like, and I decided to drink a little bit of milk. and I'm just like, am I going to get sick?
1: Only one way to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Come on.
0: Yeah, nothing happened. So I'm just like, was I lied to this whole time?
2: (laughs) Ends recording, runs to the bathroom, starts vomiting.
1: Yeah, that's what I did before recording. Nice. All right. Well, I guess that's the end of the show. And if your parents told you you couldn't drink milk and soda at the same time, uh, email Dan and let him know.
0: Yes, let me know. Yep. I don't know if it was true or not.
1: All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you so much for your support. You are amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Hans, you want to roll us out?
2: Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts because you're not alone.